So, I asked the question, how many of you know that God doesn't waste anything in your life to make a point? So, you're probably wondering, what in the world has that got anything to do with? So, I'm about to tell you. Where I work, I work for the U.S. Navy. And what I do is uh, we do heating and cooling units for the aircraft carriers, the submarines, the battleships, the cruisers, the whole nine yards. So this picture that you're looking at is an Ohio-class submarine. It is the length of two football fields. And on the outside, while that may not be much to look at, except that it's very long, it is a carrier. It carries 24 nuclear warheads. Missiles, I should say, excuse me. 24 nuclear weapon, uh, missiles. And I don't understand how this thing works with multiple warheads, but they do. That's what they carry. And that is a lot of firepower. Um, and so <clears throat> they, they have aptly named the, uh, that section of the ship where these guys are contained, these missiles, Sherwood Forest. And they monitor them with great care. So what is the point that I'm making? It's this. While this is a submarine that carries this much firepower, you and I are vessels that carry something far, far more greater and more powerful even than nuclear missiles. And that's Jesus Christ. And His Scriptures, His Word. Um... <clears throat> I was thinking about the, the fact that when these missiles are fired the captain of the boat said these words when these missiles are launched they will I cannot stop them they will go and they will hit their target and they will accomplish that which they are sent forth to do And so our text for today is found in the book of Romans, chapter 4, verse 17. And here we find these words. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He's talking about Abraham here. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Some translations say he calls the things that are not as though they be. And sometimes what God says about me and the way I see me, I may not be on the same plane. But in terms of the weight of truth, in terms of the final authority and who's saying what, 
I can choose to believe what God says about me or I can choose to believe what I see on the day-to-day basis. Now for each one of us, that means a choice. There are things in my life that I do not like, but I have made the point that I'm going to bend the knee to them. And I'm going to be quite frank and honest with you. I have shared with a dear friend of mine that there's times when I come off like Barney Fife. I let things rattle me. I let things get to me. I run around and just say, it's terrible, it's terrible, and just... But the point is, I don't have to accept that. I don't have to live there. I don't have to give credence to that. So the idea is that I go to the Lord, as we've heard before, and see what does He say about me. And I like... I like what Warren had shared last week at the close of, uh, not last week, but the week before in his message. I am who the Bible says I am. Exclamation point. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Exclamation point. I can have what the Bible says I can have. Amen. So let's pray. Lord, as we gather our hearts before you, you are our creator. You are our redeemer. You are the one who makes all things new. I pray today, Lord, that as you speak, that we may behold wondrous things from your word. I pray, Lord, that your words will go to the target. I pray, Lord, that when we leave today, We will not be the same as when we entered. And that after we leave today, that through the week, you will speak to us, that you will guide us, that you will bring to our remembrance all of the things that you have said today to your glory for our good, that we may walk in that which you have promised to give us. And thank you, Lord, that you have qualified us and made us your children, that you have made us your sons that you have made us your daughters, that you have made us able ministers of the new covenant. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So they call, they call these uh, submarines that I was just talking to you about, they call them boomers. That's the nickname they've given to them, boomers. And when I, when I talked and when I shared that verse about the fact that God says he calls the things that are not as though they be, I just want you to picture for a moment going back to the creation of time, to the creation when there was nothing there. When there was nothing there except darkness. There was just nothing. And then God said, let there be. I want you to take that in for a moment that first there was nothing, he speaks, and now there is something. There is light, and you know the whole story of what he lays out there. There's there's the sun, 
There's the moon. There's all the animals in the kingdom. There's all the plants. There are the worlds. There are the galaxies. They have their orbits. And I can't be even begin to put a number to this number of stars that are out there. I can't even begin to say, where does the galaxy stop? But it's the idea that that God whom we gather before week after week and on a daily basis, if we choose, that God, when He speaks, His words are living. They are active. They are creative. And when He speaks, He speaks with an intent. He speaks with a purpose. He speaks with a target in mind. And so in that target, there are three that I believe that the Lord gives us. The idea of a target is reaching that mark. What is that goal? What is that purpose? What does he want to bring about? And to me, there is nothing more frustrating than if I have a target and I don't hit it. I can tell you, having been a pitcher playing softball, I need a bigger barn. <laughs> I can tell you, in, uh, years ago, I tried to learn to shoot a bow and arrow. I won't go there again. I need a bigger bale of hay. <clears throat> I'm, but my point is that if you have a target and you take the steps, there is something that happens when you hit that target versus taking all the time to get your sights, to take aim. And then what happens if you miss? Now, I won't speak for any deer hunters out there who go hunting and they shoot and miss. But I think if I asked for a few stories, I could tell you what they would share in their heart it was something of dismay and disappointment. But the idea being of hitting the target, I've reached it, and now I'm going to be the recipient of what that means, of hitting that target. And so God, in our relationship with Him, and I'm not talking casual, I'm talking the relationship with God up close and personal. The one who knows me better than I know myself. The one who knows everything about me from top to bottom. And the relationship and the target that he wants me to have. So I, I share just a few things so not to sound cliche-ish about target. But in Romans chapter Romans chapter 8, it says to be spiritually minded is life and peace. In, uh, in John chapter 15, verse 16, he says, You haven't chosen me, I have chosen you. And that you should bear fruit. And that fruit should just last for a little while. No, that's not what he says. He says that that fruit should remain. 
We're talking about being a partaker of the divine nature. In, uh, in Psalm 103, I believe it's about verse 7, it says there that the Lord to Moses, he revealed his ways. That's a pretty powerful statement. But yet what he did for Moses, he wants to do for each one of us. That is just amazing. So, being on target in our relationship, an intimate relationship with him, the second target is being able to withstand and prevail against the attacks of the enemy. How many of you know, as well as I do, even in the... I've got a verse down here where it says about us being carriers in, um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the supremacy of that, the excellency of that may be of God. But in the very next verse, there are some words in there that would like to bring me pain. And so, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says this, We are afflicted in every way. Ouch, that's not pleasant to me. But not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we, who are, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe, and so, also, so we also speak. And the third target, I believe, has to do with our day-to-day -day being a witness out there. Divine appointments. And one of the things that we, uh, excuse me, that Warren had touched on last week, or when he spoke, I should say, was the idea of laying the groundwork. And that is where I, I put um, the gave place to the um, the title for this message: the wonder of spiritual proclamation, the one who makes us a reality, the one who is working with us day in and day out. And the primary place in which I'm going to reference in just a little bit, I believe, is our quiet time. But one of the things that I want to make mention of here is that is the last time that, uh, that Tom spoke, he shared... He shared some key things. And there are things that as I go along, I, I, 
I take these things in and I make them a part of my day-to-day. And one of the things that Tom said when he spoke, he says, although it may be true that you struggle in certain areas, the higher truth is what God says about you. It makes me think of this verse in Romans 8, chapter 2. For the law of the Spirit, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now you think about a law being final, that you break the law, there's consequences. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. That's a pretty amazing statement. That higher law has the power to break the power of sin. That thing that has reigned over us. The areas that maybe we are, are looking for to be set free. But the day as, as when Jesus died on the cross, that was the, the spiritual D-Day when he made it possible for us to have life and victory and to make all things new. So in our day-to-day living going forward, we're going to encounter pockets of resistance. We'll just call it sin. But just like when they hit the beach and went inward, there were pockets Tom, a while back, also made a, a, a he, he quoted a Mr. Giovanetti, and I think this is important. He said, what we focus on will dominate. And so, if I choose to, fact, if I choose to focus on the truth of what God says about himself being my Redeemer, my deliverer, my savior, my sufficiency. And I could go on and on and and give you the very names by which he calls himself. But the fact of the matter is that when he when he chooses that what we focus on, it's not it's not bondage. It's freedom. Now I I'll take being dominated in that sense of being loved versus dominated in terms of being held captive like a prisoner and that the outcome of what is working brings death and I have no say in the matter. And so, just a couple things here. Um, Isaiah 55, 10 through 11. I spoke about targets. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that 
which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So in, in Tom's sermon, one of the final remarks that he made was this. Just saying it doesn't necessarily make it so, but repeatedly declaring it causes faith to arise. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And so on the outline where I come to the place of understanding and valuing the word and then I have the arena of quiet, quiet time in prayer. And so in laying the groundwork, there are no shortcuts. This takes time, but it's time well spent. It's time invested that gives a huge return. That return comes back in the way of being transformed in His image, growing up in Him, getting to know His heart. And there never will come a time when we will know all there is to know about Him. As a matter of fact, it's going to take ages, it says in the Scripture. This takes time. It takes hearing. That means being quiet. That means quieting my heart. That means being willing to trust. And then it also means taking action on what he speaks and what he says. So, I wrote under the understanding and valuing the word I put Psalm 90 verse 1 and there in that scripture there Moses makes this statement you O Lord are our dwelling place let me let me preface some things here in this in this section where I'm talking about valuing the quiet time as I, was, as I was praying I, and, and God started to speak to me, I just started to think about the fact, what if God didn't speak? I would be missing out. I would be clueless. I would be left in the dark. And I thought about the wonder, wow, God is speaking to me that which I need. He's opening my eyes and He's speaking that which I need to hear. He's speaking to me that which is pertinent for right now to grow me up the next step in my relationship with Him. And I pray, God, let me never lose the wonder. Never lose the wonder of you coming near to me and speaking into my life. So, in John 15, you know, God didn't have to, God could do what He wants and God didn't have to bring Himself close like He did in what He promises. But the fact of the matter is that He did. 
In John 15, 15, he says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. I call you friends. I want to clue you in. I want to fill you up. I want you to see what I'm purposing to do in your life. He's not some big CEO that just sits back somewhere behind a heavenly desk and lets us fend for ourselves. He comes close to us. He says, I'm going to make known to you The servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. That takes, that takes time, but that's a good thing. That's like a journey. He's not going to give us one big thing at one pertinent specific time. But when we see the ramification of that statement, and then he goes on, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. I chose you and appointed you. You may see yourself as weak. You may see yourself as struggling. You may see yourself as nothing to give. But I tell you, you're the prime candidate. God chooses the weak things of the world to confound the strong, to confound the wise. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Not here today and gone tomorrow, but abide. And with every piece of fruit, he wants to add more. First Samuel 3.19. This verse has always intrigued me. Here's, this is Samuel. And it says of Samuel, and Samuel grew. And the Lord was with him. Oh, I like that. And let none of his words fall to the ground. Now I have an inkling that there was a close-knit relationship there so that when Samuel said what God spoke to him, that that was the result. And those words are in the scripture for us to take note of and say that's for you and that's for me. I want that. And that means I get out of the way. That means God, I give you myself. I'm not going to hold anything back. You are God and I am not. Isaiah 30, 15. In meekness and in quietness shall be your strength. If I'm talking, I'm not going to hear. If I'm talking, I'm not going to know what to do. If I'm talking, I'm not going to be the recipient Listening and being quiet, I think, is something that is very easily overlooked. And the first thing that I do when I pray, 
I recognize that Jesus is the one who made the way and that he is the way, the truth, and the life. I think about the fact that he made it possible through the cross for me to be reconciled and to be able to come. And that, no matter what the struggle, no matter what the sin, that's where I start. And I think about the fact that God gives me promises and says that if I confess, if I agree with you and let you take these things, these sins, if I, he says, I am faithful. I am faithful to forgive you your sins and cleanse them from you. To cast them away from you as far as the east is from the west. Proverbs 8, 32 and 35, we find these words. And now, sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. I want to tell you that a while back, I have read through Proverbs numerous times. And there came a day when I let somebody else read to me <clears throat> the, the, through, through Proverbs. And one day the light went on and this is what was revealed as I sat there and listened to the word being spoke to me. Those words about listening to me, about hearing, about attending to me. In Proverbs chapter 1 through Proverbs chapter 10, you will find that over 30 times in that short segment of chapters, you will see that God talks about listening, taking heed to, taking, attending to my instruction. And after numerous times of reading to myself, I, did, I mean, I didn't think of it. But when I was listening, when I was hearing, I saw something I didn't see before. And here he says, Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. That is powerful. I like this verse, 2 Corinthians 4.16. It says, I look in the mirror and I see the, uh, the colors of my hair changing. And it says, though the outward man perishes, the inward man is renewed. So on the outside, I may be getting older, but guess what? On the inside, I'm like Caleb. Who said my strength is now as it was then. I can fight now like I fought then. How is that possible? Because in his inner man, in his inner man, he's renewed.
So in sharing these, sharing these scriptures, there's, a, there's another goal in mind, if you will. And I, I, put it, I put it this way. What is my day-to-day expectation versus the daily grind? And the reason why I've, I've, I've made the point about putting these scriptures out there is that if I don't speak these things to myself daily... How many of you know that somebody else is going to speak into your life? His presence and His words will set the tone for the day. So let me give you a brief example. The other day, I slept down on the couch I woke up with about five minutes before I needed to get out of the house and I ran around like a fireman getting ready and out the door. The first thing when I got to work, I'm, I didn't even drink coffee, so I'm, I'm, I, I'm still trying to wake up and the cobwebs are there. And The first thing that greets me when I walk through the door, I put a unit together not too long ago and lo and behold, this, this unit, I, this was a teachable moment just to get this unit built. So the first thing that greeted me when I got to work was that this unit was destroyed. Somebody put too much air into this unit and blew it up. So there it was, like a bad penny. It turned up. I said, what? How is this possible? Now that's what I'm thinking. The next thing, I wasn't long, it wasn't long after that so one of my responsibilities, oh, uh, this, this boss came over and said, well, you need to do this, this, and this. And you didn't do this, this, and this. And I thought, what? And, I, and the thought came to me, oh, really? Give me a break. You know? But what I did is I kept my mouth shut. There's wisdom in that. But so the fact of the matter is that what I, I learned a valuable lesson. First of all, don't sleep on the couch. <laughs> Secondly, don't go into the day unprepared. Anybody see that movie of 300 Spartans where they shoot the arrows and they blot out the sun? That's kind of what I felt like when that day started. I thought, man, I'm taking the shots here but I went into the day unprepared. Silly me. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. And then I put down Psalm 97 verses, excuse me, verses 97 through 99. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Sin, missing the mark. That's what it means in the Greek. Missing the mark. I don't want to miss the mark. That thing that happened the other day, that was a teachable moment. That I might not sin against you. Every moment of every day, I want to walk on target, focused. With the mindset that I am a carrier. 
that I, you know, when I said boomers, in, in the scriptures you won't find the word boomers. What you'll find though is that we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. What you will find in the scriptures is that he's made us able ministers of the new covenant. What you will find is that he has made us ambassadors and he is the one who qualifies us. And just let me say this, is that um, on the ship, the guy who operates, there are safeguards in place. They just don't hire somebody off the street and say, here, take care of these nukes. You don't give anybody a loaded gun and say, here, no. But the idea being that in our quiet time, that God trains us up. In 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17, it says, continue, here's Paul saying to Timothy, continue in the things which you have learned, which you have learned and have been assured of. I like that. You learn, you've been assured of, and then knowing, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And then he says that from a child, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. And then going on, he talks about the importance of the scripture and the relevance of the scripture. And then he finishes up by saying that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished. In the ESV, I believe it says competent along with that to every good work. So in Psalm 119, verses 97 through 99, here's what it says. Oh, how I love your law. Tom has mentioned these scriptures too. But listen to them and hear. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies. Who's making you wiser? For it is ever with me. I have more understanding than my, all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Most of you know, I'll just throw this in here real quickly. Proverbs fifteen twenty eight: the heart of the righteous studieth the answer. But in that verse, he contrasts that with the wicked who just blurt out whatever's, whatever's inside of them. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil. As I was starting to say, um, you know that I have a dog at home, not a chihuahua, not a little dog. It's, uh, yeah, he could, be a, he could be a deer. And you know his name is Louie. But here's the thing. Louie likes to sit on the couch. And Louie is watching. And Louie, if he sees something suspicious, Louie lets you know. And how does he do that? He barks. A big dog bark. So, in the scriptures that we just looked at, when those scriptures, when we, when we value them, when we treasure them in our heart, they act as spiritual watchdogs so that when something tries to come against you, well, that's poor. That doesn't come close to what Louis sounds like. But it's the idea of barking. Take note. Something's here that's not right. Get, your, get those scriptures up. Here's what I'm bringing to your defense. Here's how you withstand. Here's how you go on the offensive. 
And that's exactly, and that's exactly what those scriptures do. Jesus commends the sheep, or he, I should say, he makes a statement about the sheep in John chapter 10. He says, the voice of the stranger they will not follow, for they know not the voice of the stranger, but will run from it. So, we don't have to listen. We don't have to determine. We don't have to ponder the temptation. What we respond to is that spiritual bark in the term of the scripture or what the Lord brings to us in that way and the alarm bell going off and saying, here's what your course of action is. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. You aren't pressured by the attack. You're moved by what the Lord tells you. And that's where storing up that word gives the Holy Spirit an arsenal with which to work that is far more powerful than those nuclear missiles. In Ephesians 5, 18 through 20, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Be filled, be filled with the Spirit. There's one, one thing, and I'll, I'll put this in, in closing here. Psalm 119. Excuse me, not 119, Psalm 19. Therefore, the longest time, I missed out on the blessing of letting that word live in me and rule in me growing up. But when we get together in our quiet time with the Lord, and He speaks into my heart, these words that are recorded here in Psalm 19, starting at verse 7, are true. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise, I like that, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. I like that. It's not like he's some kind of a teacher and I got to sit there and I'm just trying to do some kind of a homework assignment with no heart in it. It's the idea of describing what happens when he interacts with me and my responding back to him. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward.
Let's pray. Father, at the end of Ephesians chapter 3, you wrote these words. Now to him who was able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Work in us, Lord. Speak to us. Where else can we go? To whom else can we go? You alone, you alone have the words of eternal life. Lord, help us to value. Help us to never lose the wonder. of finding the target, of touching your heart, of growing up in you, and you demonstrating your great love by drawing near to us and speaking to us and cluing us in and coming alongside of us in this journey. Lord, I'm reminded of the words of that one worship song uh, where it says, from life's first cry to the final breath, Jesus, you command, you command our destiny. May it be so. Thank you, Father. You are faithful. You're our anchor. You're our shield. You're our sufficiency. We give you praise. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.